Welcome to episode seven of the Box I Live In podcast. Uh, I'm still here, Ben Reeve, founder of All Things The Box, and also with my podcast producer, Blake. How are you, Blake? I'm locked and loaded and ready to go, Ben. I'm still here too. I feel like that's a good way to say I'm still here in the box. We're locked in together. Well, uh, we've more been... Ways than one. We've been doing this for seven episodes now, so it's becoming a habit and it's been a fun journey. And I, I, today I'm particularly excited because we have a guest, a special guest and somebody who I met on a program, what would have been a couple of years ago. Well, let me introduce her first. Hello, Michelle. How are you? Michelle Lim, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Ben. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm very well. And I'm excited to have you on because the reason you're here is a conversation you and I had would have been, what, a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? And we were catching up and we were just sort of chewing the fat. And it occurred to me, and, and this is kind of by way of introduction, what I'm going to do is I'll let you explain who you are and what you do and we can do all of that. But one of the things that Blake and I discussed at the start of doing the podcast was talking to sort of real people doing real jobs and, and just, you know, about the real challenges that they face. And, and so Michelle and I did a program, would have been, what, last year, I think, Michelle. And, I mean, I, I will talk, as Blake will know as well, I, I talk to 200 people plus a year. And now this isn't just sort of like on a day's program. This is like running, a, a, you know, a series of training programs, coaching conversations. So like, like probably, you know, having a having a proper get to know them. And, and so after in all of these programs that I run, I always put an offer out there and I always say, look, we finished the program, but if you want to catch up and if there's some things we can talk about and explore further, please get in touch. And Michelle, you are about literally one of a handful of people that's ever taken me up on that offer. <laughs> that's a bit super lucky one and a lucky one. <laughs> well, and, and that's it, see, because I think I'm offering, and it's not like I ask anybody to pay it. I'm just, I'm just keen to stay engaged and to see people do with what we discuss and learn. And I think it was reflecting because when you and I have spoken, I, you know, I think even before the program, you were very much, it seemed to me anyway, it seemed to me very much that you'd almost done the thinking and the realization about what you needed to do to get what you wanted out of your career. And you were kind of almost a step ahead of where everyone else was. And maybe that's the reason why you saw some value in it. And everyone else was still struggling to catch up with what we were doing. So I am delighted to have you here because I think it's a fabulous way for us to get some insights into how you're seeing from the workplace, what you're seeing today and how you've approached it. And like I say, I think you, you, to a certain degree, you are absolutely the target market for what the box was was built about because it was through conversations with people like yourself, which I kind of pulled all this stuff together. And again, of course, you know, when I introduced the program and I actually gave people access to the box as part of the pilot, again, you were one of the few people that took me <laughs> up on it and actually gave me some feedback and it was invaluable. So that's a long introduction, but all I can say is, First of all, thank you. Thank you for making me feel as at least what I'm doing at some stages counts. And as I said, I'm delighted to have you here today. <laughs> well, thank, thanks, Ben. It was a great opportunity. I think it was just before COVID and we actually only had one face-to-face in-person facilitation before it went all online and we had to sort of rethink the way things are done. And um, the boxes I live in was something that really resonated with me because I was trying to sort of live a life around or creating a life around everything that was like my life my health my work you know and what I wanted in my personal life as well as in a job and how I balance it whereas people sort of like think really siloed like this is a career one and then they don't think about okay your family life or like the life you want to live 
and the hobbies and interests you have. So for me, it was really important to set goals that would sort of balance each, each other out and sort of like make a decision on what I would want to pr- prioritize. Just, just give us a brief plotted history then of, of like what you do, you know, where you've worked. You mentioned obviously in New Zealand, you're now in Australia. Can you just give us like your background stories? Who am I? Well, I'm Michelle. I started my career um, in banking right when I was in university, actually. I started as a teller and then through contact center and sort of never left, still in banking today, um, almost 10 years later. I had the great opportunity of working in frontline and then worked in risks and compliance and then I made the transition into finance uh, where I've been for the last I'd say four to five years at least. So I've had a really well-rounded understanding of banking and customers I guess and then I've decided you know what I want to pursue my chartered accounting and go down that path of finance and then that's how sort of moved across um, to Sydney because I've found a finance role here and then still stayed in bank. Yeah. haven't really left but um what is important i think is to keep learning and keep changing and finding what's right for you so is that a calling then like how did you know about the bank see this is the certainty this is this is what stuck with me through all of our conversations and i think it's similar in the feedback and you know the, 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 through the process that we run is i think there's a degree of certainty about what you do so the bank was that like was that just a calling or what, what's the motivation behind the bank because i would suggest and again it's so hard when i was thinking about today because you don't want to generalize it's like you know this this kind of classic age of today is like everyone should be in tech startups everyone should be out doing the cool hip stuff and you're like and this is you know you enjoy the bank and you love working in the bank so where's that come from if you know what you don't like then it's easier to try something else and then you can decide whether you like it or not and for me the perception to me at the time in university was there was a lot of different sorts of roles in a bank compared to like a big four firm which definitely appealed to me because you could always chop and change and decide what you wanted to do but you could still stay in the one industry when I look at a role I'm going what's the future of that particular role and what are the steps after the role and where does that lead me to and if that's something that I'm like no I can't see myself doing that then obviously I'm not going to go in that direction And I think that's when you lean into, don't look at the role currently in front of you, look at the role and how's it going to help you in the next two to three roles after that, or four or five roles, like you don't have to have it defined, but you can sort of get a feel where roles will lead you to. And is that something you want? Because if it's not something you want, then don't curate that life. Curate something else. Now, is that is that because you're career minded? Like, what motivates and drives that? Because again, I don't I don't think that's any that's not a new trait for anybody, you know. But when you meet people like yourself, I'm always interested in whether that's like working towards an outcome. Like, you because I don't think you are. Right? I don't ever get a sense you're trying to be the CFO. You're kind of driven to do interesting things. Like, where, where, where does the motivation come from to think like this two or three steps ahead? I think I'm attracted to challenges in a role. I recall like when I was in call center, I was in university at the time. So I was juggling like full-time work in university. And I just couldn't believe that, you know, there were people that would work in that role day in, day out for the last 10 years doing the same thing. And, you know, after a year of it, I was bored of it. Like I was ready for the next challenge. So for me, I think the drive is something new and exciting. I like to look for a role that's going to give me the challenge or the excitement and it's not monotonous. And there's always going to be roles where parts of it will be monotonous, but there's also parts where you can sort of like define what you want to do and what's going to challenge you and how you can recreate and define the role. 
are you typical amongst your peers? And like when you look at it, you know, obviously you get the friends, but also across the peer groups that you work with. Do you see others demonstrating those same traits as well? I think the challenge is that they want to find something out there, but they're, I guess, afraid to ask. And really early on in my career, I faced a restructure. Uh, Thankfully, I just got repointed, but I think I was like 21 or 22 at the time. And you think, oh, you know, life's great. I've just finished university. And it really made me think like, I've got to do what I love and not a role that you think is safe. So finding a role I love and then seeking out people that could give me insight to what they did gave me the exposure to sort of see what was out there. And I think that was really important, just having conversations and just getting to know people and what they do, because you don't know without asking the question what people do, what it's really like. If I go down here, down this pathway, will I enjoy it? And if you enjoy it, keep going on with it. But if you don't, then you know you've tried and tested it and then you move on. But that gives you clarity by knowing what you don't like, you can move on to try and find a clearer picture of what you want for your future. Maybe it comes back to experiences we've had around things like restructures and the organisational changes. I, I think it can be very easy to let that happen to us, but I got a sense for you, it was about how you faced into that and to use Blake's lean into word, you know, lean into <laughs> it and actually actually sort of took it as a, okay, I've got to learn from this experience. And maybe, maybe that's the other thing, right? That thirst for knowledge and hunger. And, and I don't know whether... And it's, that's just an observation. And I don't know whether you can coach this. Blake, you mean, you've managed people and teams and you've obviously had a whole range of people, you know, work for you in the past. Is he, Can you coach these attributes? Like, is this something we're built with, born with? I used to, I was lucky in one of my first team leadership roles to have the students because I was the most recent, I was a new leader and I was the most recent student. And so like, I chuck all the uni students with Blake and <laughs> And I felt, I felt like I got a team of Michelle's. I was blessed with people who were like able to multitask because they had been gold like very immediately. I have two more years of X, whatever university degree they were doing at the time to complete. I've got grades to do. I've got these outlines to complete. I've got sh- sharp timelines. So they start to, you start to in, uh, innately learn a lot of like skills of like planning, goal setting, micro goal setting, long-term goal setting about what it is. And then when you do that, Ben, some of the toolkit that you gave me on some of those very first, you know, leadership courses that we did, when we went around and did their kind of grow, like their grow things about how they're gold, I was like, what do you want here? Because I don't want to know about university. I want to know about what you need here. What do you need at this job? I need to keep it for the next two years. Great. I can teach you how to not only keep it, but be the best so you're irreplaceable here while you do this degree and then you can decide what you want to do next and so i think also what happens is with with some of those like really motivated folk who do do university and then juggle maybe multiple part-time jobs or that part-time job that just goal setting just starts to be that's where i've seen it the most it was my one of my favorite teams that i've ever gotten to manage i had like four or five folk who are all at uni and we just had this shorthand And it actually helped bring some of the rest of the team along because they saw that whatever psychological inhibitions you had about any role could be overcome by goal setting because everyone there was doing so much. They were doing a university degree. They were working like three or four days a week. They had their social lives on the outside. You know, some of them were a little bit older, so they started having families and partners and all those things. And just watching how they were able to just sort of march in step, figure it out. 
engineer how to make themselves valuable. That was a, incredibly valuable for me. But I, I, when Michelle talks about it, I hear that. I'm like, when I was in a contact center, I was bored in a couple of months too. I feel like Michelle is that kind of person. Like she's that exact kind of mold that, you know, you master it, you get in there, you want the next challenge. And I think it's, um, I think sometimes what ends up happening with people like Michelle and I is you sometimes can get into a trap of riding the chaos of new roles, huge new challenges, because feel yourself thriving in the most challenging environments and you leap into new things. And then when it gets, when you've stabilized it, you're like, oh, bored again. I need to immerse myself into something new. So I'd love to hear about that side of it, Michelle, because like that goal setting and that challenge, have you found yourself ever like leaping into the new thing just for the challenge and going, oh, this is only a short-term thing. I've got to jump into the next thing because this is too easy. A hundred percent, I think. <laughs> oh, there's been times in my career that I've gone, oh, this is not the right role for me. And gone, should I stick this out? And I think I, um, Ben and I were talking at the time, I think I've had conversations with him about it, going, oh, this is not the right role. No. I'm bored. Um, and I just get that itch that I have to move. Like if it's not challenging enough, I think you've got to go because I think my biggest fear is that I get too comfortable and I stop growing and I think what's important for me is that as soon as I start to feel comfortable and I feel like I'm cruising I know it's my oh. the get out it's time to exit <laughs> <laughs> that's my view because I think the greatest growth that I get and every time when I question myself oh is it the right role like should I go for it and because of how big it is in my in my mind it's like oh it's a big role I've realized I've grown into it and it's given me the challenge I've needed. And I think staying stagnant actually doesn't help you in the long term. You can do so much when you're uncomfortable because you're challenging yourself to be better. And I think for me, having a good life is about being better and improving yourself, not so much like having that defined role. So to me, it's always about the challenges and the interactions that I have. So, so let me give the pair of you my my <laughs> juxtaposition on this because I, I I think that drive and passion that you both have, you know, and I've seen that, and and that that consciousness, Michelle, that you're talking about, and Blake alluded to, you know, to a certain degree, makes you both and people like you makes makes you a bugger to have in the business, uh, you know, because you won't sit still, <laughs> and and so this and this is this is what I think this is where I kind of get to with this future of what the world's going to look like because you know particularly in the banking world and look and we all know this right the financial institution world it's it's an old school business right it certainly is here in australia and new zealand if you work for the large ones it's it's but you know so the point is you've got to do 18 months in role before you can be considered to the next piece and so therefore you know you guys are getting bored and itchy feet and me as the manager's like yeah but you're doing a great job for me can't you just sit there shut up and get on with it because it, you know and so there's this real juxtaposition of you're almost a victim of your own success because but and this is this is what I've learned and this is I think going to be the challenge and I'll be interested in both your perspectives on this because I think if the businesses and the leaders in businesses don't get this quickly the talent will walk because as much as the business is saying I need you to stay here in a global market that's looking for talented individuals that are driven that have got this more sort of expansive view and are not going to sit there for like five years till the next piece then you can walk tomorrow. It can go. So, so it's an interesting one for me because your itchy feet 
does the organization accept that just because you're bored well i don't care can you sit there for another year and then we'll get to you but i guess you know are you prepared to sit there for another year i i don't think either of you are right in your career so you know do you see that or is that just my sort of view i mean i i, I just kind of think that's what businesses have got to get their heads around i think it's a detriment if i or like someone stayed knowing <laughs> that they didn't enjoy it because they're not giving their 100 percent and i think that you're better off to find someone who will give you a hundred percent and let the other person go. I've had past leaders, some of whom, you know, used to say, Blake, you're like a naughty little boy. If I don't, if I don't give you something to do, you get up to mischief because I get, you know, I'm looking, I start looking for things to do. And so then what would happen? It actually wasn't as much of a detriment to me because if you found the right leader at times, sometimes you didn't have that and it was a challenge and you maneuvered and that was, that caused the friction exactly as you're talking about. But anytime that I had a great leader, they'd identify you as someone who needed, who thrived in those high pressure situations and actually was better in those high pressure situations than the more stagnant ones. The biggest problem for the business is they get used to you. Yeah, and I think that's what I'm seeing, right? I mean, that's and you, you, but 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 then I think what's also interesting your point. If you've got a leader that gets it, then they will find ways to let you thrive. And and yes. and a number of people actually, and it's interesting because again, you know, when you look at people's careers now, particularly you get through those sort of twenties into your thirties, I have a large number of people say to me, it, "It's yes, it's the job and the brand, but in all honesty, what they're looking for is the right fit." If they know if they can work for the right person that gets gets yeah. them and what they're trying to do and gives them these opportunities, then they're going to work. So it's interesting because I think in the old days, it was very much like certainly when I was growing up, you know, go to the brands because that gives you credibility. Sit there, do your time and you'll be looked after. But I think in this day and age, it's, it's very different. And I think this is the challenge, you know, in terms of what we're looking for. It comes back to the working for the right boss and the right leader. So, so who you work for, Michelle, must be, again, a big search criteria. Yeah, I think who I work for in terms of the leader and the culture is really important because you might have a great leader and you work well, but it's your peers around you that you need to work well with collaboratively in order to achieve success. And they also have to sort of have that vision of moving forward because the time that I worked in a team, which wasn't like that, it was incredibly difficult because I wanted to drive as much change, but the people around me just weren't ready for it. And so it just meant that I knew I was in the wrong team and that, you know, if that was what they wanted, that was fine, but I wasn't the right person or the right fit for them either as a team. And I think that was another thing that came through from our conversation was because again, you know, it's very easy. And again, the stereotypes and generalism, right? Like, and I could sit here and go, Oh God, you know, these bloody people, they want everything, you know, they need to be challenged. They want to move on, you know, but I think, I think the interesting thing is there's a lot that talk it, but again, when you live it and you also deliver. And I think that's what that's what's interesting. It's not just about me and my job. It's the role I play in the team. And it's how we interact that actually is. And, and I think it's interesting because, like I said, when you talk about this, I know you believe. It. I hear a lot of other people say the words, but I don't know if they back it up with action. So you get a lot of this kind of, you know, they say all the right stuff, but they don't back it up with the actions, i.e., they talk a good game, but then, you know, they're not looking out for their colleagues. They're not there, at, you know, 11 o'clock a month then delivering. 
because they're doing other things. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's a real interesting one because how do we keep people and people that want to achieve engaged? And as you said, you know, I think it does, a lot of it always comes back to good leadership, but also it does come back to having individuals like yourself that know what they want, which goes back to what we were saying at the beginning about having this ability not just to tell me what you don't like, but also where you want to go. And, and which kind of brings me back a little bit to this idea of the box, because you mentioned a couple of times that, you know, the career and what you do is part of a broader plan around your life and how you want to be living this. And obviously from the box I live in with the reboot diagram, you know, which talks about the different areas, you know, the body and soul, the mindset, skills and capabilities, and then the environment, it kind of talks to that. So I'm interested because you were one of the few people, like I said, that picked that up when we were piloting it and actually kind of came back to me. I mean, can you just share with the listeners, but like, what was your experience just with the box and that reboot diagram? Like, what, what was the benefit did you find of going through that? And with every role you take, I think there's certain sacrifices that you make. And does that align with the life you want to live? Because if you want free time, but you've got a high pressured role, maybe that's not the right role for you. Then find a job that actually supports that. And I think yeah. for me, I knew what I wanted. I love challenge. So I needed to thrive in a high pressure environment. Um, I like challenges. I don't like sitting there all day doing nothing or just pressing a button or something <laughs> like that, or, you know, follow the step, you know, it just wasn't for me. For me, it was just trying new things. And to me, that's good for my soul. But I think it all comes down to like your goal, or your end outcome. Like I understand that it's part of the process. There's always going to be things that you don't like. Mm. Um, you know, I'll circle back to like a couple of years ago, I decided outside of my work life, I needed a personal challenge. So what did I do? I did a bikini show. And to <laughs> me, that was incredibly challenging because I'd never challenged myself like I I didn't really go to the gym until after I finished university. I was never a sporty person. Like I, I just wouldn't play sport, but I needed something after all the study, you know, I tried joining the gym and I really enjoyed it. And then you learn that there are days that you, you just want to eat what you want. <laughs> there are days that you don't want to work out. There are days that you don't want to do your cardio, but I remind myself that, I need to look forward to the end goal. And sometimes I might fall off the train, but then I pick myself back up the next day. I think there's a really important saying I've heard um, go around in the competing world is um, you can miss once, but don't miss twice. So if you fall off, you know, if you drop the habit one time, don't do it again and you pick yourself back up, which is good. And it just comes back to rewinding to your goals. So, so just explain this for my for my benefit and probably for everyone else. So this is like, what is it, bodybuilding or something? It's body sculpting? Or what's a bikini show? Yeah, kind of like bodybuilding, um, to put it that way. So it's intense training. Obviously, you get up on a bikini. I didn't really do it for that. I really enjoyed the process of getting there and learning about how you could change the way you looked through how you ate and controlling that and, you know, little tweaks that you make, you build really good habits. That's what I really liked out of it. And a lot of the learnings that I, through the experience, I took out a lot of learnings that I could apply to my professional life. You think what I enjoy is finding what your limit is and then realizing that you can actually push that out and push the boundaries out. See, and again, this is, this is fascinating because there's lots of people talk it and quote the phrases, but you go and do it. Mm. And, and there's, 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 and it's, it's kind of, it's an interesting sort of insight into the mindset. 
So maybe it goes back to learning, you know, that that, that want to be challenged and want to be learning. And I'm, I'm conscious that we'll, 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 I just want to sort of wrap, wrap it up by thinking a little bit about the future. I mean, if we project forward, you know, if you think about probably both of you guys in terms of your careers and what you need, I mean, organisations traditionally have kind of offered this safe sort of secure, if you sit there, do what we expect you to do, you'll progress, Right. But, you know, what we've kind of said is that, yeah, we get that. But at the end of the day, what we want to do is work for good leaders. We want to work for people that can challenge us. And we don't want to be just left to, you know, press buttons just because there's a time limit to it. I mean, if you go forward and think about the workplace, and maybe it's something we do personally, I mean, what do we think workplaces are going to need to offer their people going forward, particularly their people that are motivated to achieve and work? I mean, are they going to have to think differently about what they do? Are they going to have to give people, you know, additional incentives and time off? Like, how do we keep people that are generally passionate about what they do engaged, as a, apart from just giving them the opportunity to come to work? I think that, like the Gen Z generation right now, they are doing the side hustles. They're doing everything. So they, to attract talent like that, I think you need to offer flexibility and give them time off. And it's not just traditionally like someone who's. Um, who's a parent that needs flexible working arrangements. I think you need, as employers, they need to be aware that their staff members might have these side hustles and these side businesses that they need to be supportive of. And, you know, if they are not being fulfilled in their role in a corporate, per se, they may leave and they will lose talent. So I think it's giving them the right opportunities to keep them engaged. And while their work, the individual can give 100% of what they want. If they're not giving 100%, I'm pretty sure these Gen Zs will definitely leave because they are pursuing side hustles like never before. Like, they've really, like, capitalised on social media, you know, TikTok and, like, YouTube and everything else and, you know, all the podcasts. Like, I'm seeing amazing, like, talent out there that I think would be great for corporates. But if they play the card of you've got to do your time to progress, they will leave. They're just not going to stay, I think. It's the generation of we want things now. And if you're not going to be able to help support us with that, or we can see that in our future, you're telling me 10 years later, I'll get there. They may not stay. I think it's a language shift too, Ben. I think Michelle nailed it, which is that, you know, for the longest time in corporate environments, when you are a parent or when you're a student or you're doing voca- like a, additional study for whatever you're doing, they've just got this like perfect expectation that they can be really flexible with your growth, with your personal growth. And I think they just need to pivot that in 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 a in a more sort of you know, a dynamic and exciting way to go like hey look i, I need wednesdays off because i've got a podcast and i'll happily do 10 hours on those other days and you will get a hundred percent from me but i need a day where i do my creative thing and you know i think some of us parents at who are kind of on the i would say i'm like on the threshold i think an elder millennial is what they call me <laughs> uh, but but because I'm on that threshold, you know, you earn the right to do certain things. So sometimes you work with someone and you've had a day off because you're a student and then you work the extended hours. And then just when you're about to come back full time, you're like, hey, can we just keep this arrangement where I don't work on this day and I work the other days and I work extended hours because this really works for my lifestyle. Like it works for my mental health and well-being. It works for my physical health. It works for my social life. It works for my side hustles. And so Ben, I think that's a tiny little step exactly to Michelle's point that like you just lose people if you don't have that as a bare minimum. And I'm just trying to think as a translator back to the corporate world that I've lived in. It's like, you've just got to take that mindset that you've had for decades now with leave for maternity leave and, and being a student and turn that to people so that you can actually nurture people and realize that 
like no offense, but certain people are just equally as effective as others in less time. And that's a, that's a Ben Reevism, right? How do you be the most impactful in the, with the minimum amount of time? Like, I think that that mindset drastically needs to change because, you know, for example, myself, like I, as my life's changed and I've had, you know, got a young family, that has been a huge part of my life. The flexibility to be a present dad in my kids' lives actively with what they're doing is a huge factor. And if a company or a, or a role or, you know, now as I'm, as I'm transitioning out of the corporate world, I'm getting into teaching, transitioning into teaching was as much a passion project, but as much of a, a, a decision about what I wanted for my family to be able to, you know, pick my daughter, take my daughter to school and maybe pick her up from school and, you know, like have that whole life where I had the holidays off with my kids. Like that was such a massive factor that I think that, that's where they've got to really think differently, Ben. That's where they've got to get out of the box they've lived in for, you know, 50 years and they've got to change it and, and evolve and they've got to do it pretty quickly. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're both, you're both spot on. And I, I, I think it's interesting because I think there's the onus is on the, the companies and people that lead in these companies to deconstruct the, what they've put around jobs, roles and how they think about it. I think the other thing, though, is countable for us individuals, and it goes back to what, Michelle, you said at the beginning, is that when you work and you have people come to work that have got the clarity, and I think this is, again, why it's been great having you on the pod, Michelle, just to get your thoughts around that, but you know what you want, you know what you don't like, but equally you know what you're going towards, it's a lot easier for me than as your manager and your leader in the put run to accommodate that. And it's like you were saying, Blake, about the family. I think, I think again, you know, there's this, there's this classic no old school mentality of here it is here's your job and if you don't like it you tell me what you don't like and i go well i can't change anything so get on with it and i'll see you in 10 years <laughs> but i think what you know if we want to keep people engaged and like michelle i think your journey's been great because you've been driving it yourself which i think is what i advocate for everybody you know if you can work out what you want and you've got that driving the passion and what makes you tick and and you can use the box and all its associated tools to kind of work out get your head together then you can go to an organization and say, this is what I stand for. But equally, you've got to be able to deliver, right? But equally, it's, uh, the onus then comes back to leaders to be able to accommodate that. And I think so, you know, you start to see that the components are there, but it's how we deconstruct what we think about work is today. And I think that's only going to continue. And to your point, Michelle, you know, I like the idea that, you know, maybe I, I don't have a, a you know, the, the family unit, but I'm still going to take two days off because I've got a side hustle going, you know, and I can in those three days be as more productive than, you know, other people. And as a business owner, I don't care because you're delivering for me. So let's do it. There you go. Well, I have been absolutely delighted to have this conversation today because <laughs> I think we've got an insight into, uh, like I said, I think there's lots of people out there that are trying to work these things through. And Michelle, and I think from your perspective, as you said, you, you don't have all the answers, but you've certainly found a recipe that's worked for you. What advice would you give young graduates or people coming through? Like, what would be your sign off bit of advice for them? What would you suggest they do? I think keeping curious, you hear that all the time, but put yourself out there. Like, actually put yourself in spots where you're uncomfortable. If you've been asked to do a huddle or lead a presentation, do it. It helps with your brand exposure. It means that over time you get more comfortable doing it and you learn something out of it. And I think what I tell to like grads, you know, like whenever there's that opportunity, it may not be work related. It's probably like a social thing. I go, go and do it. Like, honestly, you'll have fun. 
people will get to know you, your name will be out there and you overcome this fear of like speaking in front of people or doing one virtually nowadays. You know, it, it can be quite, yeah, you could be on um, a call with 50 people on it and yes, it's not in a room, but it's still just as nerve wracking, I think. <laughs> Very much so. Very good. When all is said and done, more is said than done. So it's not only talking about it, it's putting the actions in place. Whether that is, you know, as we said, whether that's putting yourself in there in the leadership program, whether it's following your passion, your dream to go and teach, whether it's learning a new skill, it's the actions that speak louder than the words. Um, I want to thank you, Michelle. As always, delightful to catch up. Thoroughly enjoy our conversations. You challenge me, but you keep me you keep me thinking. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are interested, www.theboxiliveing.com has a whole host of resources that can help you not only understand what you don't like, also understand what you do like and give you some tools, tips and techniques to manage your own career. Very good. Thanks very much, guys. Cheers.